In the late 1990s and early 2000s, David Duvall rose to prominence in the PGA Tour by racking up a dozen wins in a major championship. At one point, he was going toe-to-toe -to -toe with prime Tiger Woods to determine who was the best player in the world. However, after his greatest triumph, it's been a steady and steep decline since. Greetings y'all, it's your knock Peter Mata, and today we're going to talk about what happened to David Duvall. Born in Jacksonville, Florida to Bob and Diane Duvall, David picked up golf at an early age from his father who was a club pro at Timaquana Country Club. In 1989, the same year he graduated high school, he was a U.S. Junior Amateur Champion, and as a result, David garnered a lot of attention from colleges. Ultimately, he chose to be a Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket. There, he went on to be a four-time first-team All-American, a two-time ACC Player of the Year, and 1993's National Player of the Year. He also picked up some nice amateur title wins along the way, and he even at one point held a lead at the PGA Tour's Bell South Classic after three rounds. So clearly, David showed early signs of pro potential. In 1993, David turned that potential into reality as he turned pro and began playing on the Nike Tour. Again, he exerted his talent quickly and won twice on the Nike Tour that year. He played another year on that tour in 1994, and with more solid play, he was able to earn his PGA Tour card for 1995. While he didn't win, success came quickly on tour, as David posted seven second place finishes on the PGA Tour from 1995 to mid-1997. He even qualified for the 1996 President's Cup, where he posted a 4-0-0 record that helped Team USA win. In October 1997, David finally captured his first PGA Tour win at the Michelob Championship at Kingsmill, and he made this a habit over the next four years. Right after he won his first, he quickly won his next two events at the Walt Disney World Oldsmobile Classic and the Tour Championship. With these results, he finished second in that year's money list, and he continued to build off from there. In 1998, David played great again, and even bettered his previous season. He captured four wins at the Tuscan Chrysler Classic, the Shell Houston Open, the NEC World Series of Golf, and he defended at the Michelob Championship at Kingsmill. He also had a great showing in that year's Masters, as he finished just one short of winner Marco Mira. And overall, he was number one on the PGA Tour money list, and won the Varden Trophy as well as the Byron Nelson Award for lowest scoring average. From there, he continued to build off in 1999 as he came out of the gates on fire. He won the opening event at the Mercedes Championship by 9. He then won the Bob Hope Chrysler Classic by 1, where of course he shot his famous final round 59, which was the lowest final round ever at the time. He also captured the unofficial 5th major at the Players' Championship, which helped push him to number 1 in the world rankings. On a side note, Crazy enough, his dad won on the senior PGA Tour the same day. And then in his very next start at the Bell South Classic, he won that too. So clearly he was on an absolute ridiculous roll heading into that Masters. And to review from this point, going into that Masters, David had won 11 times in basically 18 months. Just insane compared to tour standards. While he didn't win that Masters or the rest of the year, David was still a consistent contender on tour and by the end of that year he finished number 2 on the money list. He also played a big part of the fabled 1999 US Ryder Cup team, 
where despite his comments prior, he was very much invested in it and was instrumental in the American's comeback. In early 2000, it was revealed that David had a sprained fifth lumbar vertebrae that threw his back out. So most of the season, he was compensating with his swing in order to play through it. While he did slow down from previous seasons, David still played well enough to contend in the Open Championship against Tiger and win the Buick Challenge that year. All in all, he eventually finished 7th in the money list, which was pretty good considering the injury. I will say though that this was a bit of a foreshadowing as he was building bad habits by playing through an injury, which I think eventually came back to bite him. Despite that, in 2001, David did have his greatest triumph. Going into that year's Open Championship, David had a great finish at the Masters where he put up another great run against Tiger. He came up just short there, but it definitely looked like it was only a matter of time before he got that elusive first major. In the Open Championship, he proved just that. David emerged from a crowded field of contenders and shot 65-67 on the weekend to become the champion golfer of the year. This capped off an incredible four-year run of play that was just about Hall of Fame worthy. However, this has shockingly been David's last win on tour, and his game and life from this point went into a major slump for the years to come. In 2002, David slipped to 80th in the money list. Off the course, he split with his girlfriend of 8 years, and in early 2003, with him already dealing with minor injuries to his shoulder, wrist, and back, he was diagnosed with positional vertigo. After the diagnosis, he continued to play through it. As I said earlier, this was a bad habit that eventually would come back to bite him, as after, he missed 7 straight cuts, and overall, he dropped all the way down to 211th in the money list. After that season, David stepped away from the game for months. He came back in June 2004 for the US Open, where he shot 83-82 and missed the cut. He didn't play again until August, and his results for the rest of that season weren't much better, as his best finish was tied 13th. Off the course during this time, though, he did find some happiness, as he met his now wife, Susan Persichetti. They got married shortly thereafter, and along with her three children from a previous marriage, David and Susan had two children of their own. There have been pieces done on him in his family life, and it does show that despite his other struggles, David really has found some happiness in being a family man, which is good to hear. Going back to his golf game, from 2005 to 2008, it was more of the same. He had some pockets of decent play here and there, but nothing close to where he was in his prime. And at one point, he fell to as low as 1,054th in the world rankings. In 2008, he was already relying on all the different exemptions you can think of. So heading into 2009, he was sort of on his last legs in terms of trying to earn his card back. Knowing that, David showed signs of his old self in 2009 and 2010. Heading into the 2009 US Open, there were really no signs of good play, but there he was in the tournament, putting it all together again. After three straight birdies on the back nine of the final round, he was tied with the lead. Unfortunately, his bogey on the 71st hole cost him a real shot in winning. And ultimately, he finished in second place, two shots back of Lucas Glover. Still, it was great to see him contend again, and while that runner-up wasn't good enough to keep his card, it still gave him confidence that maybe 
he had something left in the tank. In 2010, he almost capped it off, as again he showed signs of old form. At the AT&T Pebble Beach National Program, he shot all rounds in the 60s and finished second again, one shot behind Dustin Johnson. Overall that year, he had enough consistency and good play to finish in the top 125 in the money list, which was good enough to retain his card for 2011. Alas, that was the last time David played well enough to retain his card. As for the next three seasons, he reverted back to slump play. From 2011 to 2013, in 49 starts, he only made 13 cuts. With those frustrating results, David stated that the 2014 season would be the last time he would ask for sponsor exemptions, and that he wanted to earn his card back instead of relying on others. After another underwhelming season that year, David has only played in a handful of events per year from 2015 until now. Of course, we've all seen him take on a broadcaster role with the Golf Channel and ESPN during this time. Admittedly, I think he's done a good job in the role. His studio work could be better, but I really did enjoy his commentary at this year's PGA. Anyways, this brings us to the big question. What happened to David Duvall? Well, there's a lot to unpack here, so let's first talk about the injuries. To me, it's sort of the chicken and the egg problem. Was it his twisting swing that caused the injuries to creep in? Or vice versa, was it the injuries that caused him to lose his swing? Now both points do hold water. For the first one, David does have a unique swing and it certainly could be argued that the way he twists his body to square the club face could have over time led to the major back injury. On the other side of it, David could have very well just thrown out his back because of something else like working out. Prior to the 2000 season, when he began experiencing the injuries, he did get noticeably fitter. In 1999, he really began pushing himself to be better so that he can keep up with Tiger and all the other top players. So along with practice, he began working out and exercising more. For me though, I tend to lean toward the former of the two arguments. David's swing was a thing of beauty, especially in his prime when he was hitting a machine-like. However, I do think that the twisting motion over time really did a number on his back. And you know, it might very well be one of those things too, where the working out and exercising was the thing that ultimately broke the camel's back. No pun intended. Either way, the back injury and the injuries definitely contributed to his decline. Because like I said earlier, he was trying to play through it, and he was changing his swing to compensate for it. And when you do that, you build bad habits and begin start losing how it felt to be in your optimal tempo and rhythm again. I'll also state, in terms of other parts of his game, you know David in his prime wasn't the best chipper and putter. He wasn't bad by any means, he was serviceable, it just wasn't his strength. His ball striking was just that good back then. So like in my Sean O'Hare and Hunter Mayhem videos, when he lost his advantage and the thing he could rely on in his ball striking, it got tough for him to confidently compete. Another huge part of his decline was the mental side of it. One of the things that many, and even David mentions, is the feeling and sense he got after his Open Championship victory in 2001. It was odd. For him, it seemed it was unfulfilling and empty. Like, that was it? To quote him directly, he said, quote, when you work so hard and have had so many near misses and then you win and you didn't play that well, it's like, are you kidding me? Are you really gonna do this to me? It's not like I played bad, but of the tournaments I won, that's the one I played the worst in. So that's an interesting layer to it. 
And you know, it's not uncommon for players to sort of disappear after a major triumph like that. My brother and I like to say they get satisfied, and it's their right. When you build up to something and you finally get it, it's hard to find the motivation to keep pushing for more. It's one of those things that make the greats like Tiger and Jack so compelling. They're the ultimate competitors that never get satisfied. In David's case, it is a bit different because it's more like he found out that the juice wasn't worth the squeeze for him. He put winning a major on such a lofty pedestal that when he finally got it, it didn't give him the fulfillment he thought it would. Which is fine, like I said earlier, he did eventually find happiness in his family life, so that's good. Plus I'm sure like y'all always like to comment, he's made plenty of money to live comfortably so there's no need to completely pity his life. But still, it's a shame he couldn't keep it going, because he was really one of the few to consistently go toe to toe with Prime Tiger. In an alternate reality, where he stays healthy, hungry, and in form, I really believe he would be on Phil Mickelson's level of accomplishments. Something like a handful of majors and near 50 wins. Unfortunately, that's not reality. But I do wish David Duvall well. I think he's continuing to get better in the booth. And you never know. It's unlikely, but he might pop up again with his game. He's a couple years away from being eligible for the Champions Tour. So he might make a comeback there. You never know. Anywho, let me know what you guys think. What do you think happened to David Duvall? I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of comments on this video. But as always y'all, thanks for watching it. Please like, subscribe, and comment below. Your words mean something to me.